Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Flea Flicker. I'm your host, John Murray, and I want to welcome you back. Uh, as I usually start off all my podcasts, for those who join me for the very first time, I want to say thank you for doing so, and I hope you continue to come on back. And uh, again, invite your family, your friends, your loved ones, your neighbors, whoever you need to invite. Start looking for uh, all new listeners. Uh, for those who have uh, been with you from day one, I want to say thank you for. Uh, doing so, and I'm glad that you are back, and again, same thing, your family, your friends, your loved ones, your dog, your cat, anybody, anybody we can, yeah, invite, please do so, as we do, we're trying, we're trying to grow, we're growing, we're growing, uh, right now, we're, we're almost, we're almost there, at least we're getting there, to the point where I never thought I would see, we're getting to my, close to my 100th episode, it will take, several more episodes to get that but we're, but we're getting there and hopefully that time will come when I get to that 100th episode it will be, it'll be hard to imagine that starting last June 24th of last year that I would be at this point right now but this is episode number 88 I believe if my math is right and of course you get older you you know things start to, you start to go sometimes your mind your eyesight your hearing sometimes <laughs> Sometimes a lot of things go when you start getting older, but you try to, you know, you kind of put up with it and you get used to it sometimes after a while, after a while. But for those, like I said, but I'm glad you guys are with me. I will continue to do the best that I can to get my opinions, my information, my information out there. And uh, certainly, uh, as we all well know now, uh, June 30th is almost here. Matter of fact, two days, or two days away from it, uh, NFL Network will be uh, going live to uh, different camps as football season is, is upon us. Is upon us, and uh, camps are, are, are gearing up, ready to roll. And we, some, I'm sure, a whole lot of news become been coming out of that. Um, unfortunately, the first piece of bad news would come from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers camp that'd be uh, Ryan Jensen, the starting safety, who signed a new contract this all season. Uh, they were running a running a play. He uh, got caught up, went down, and uh, when he went down, it didn't look it didn't look good. Uh, there has been no reports as of yet that have come out, and Todd Bowles, the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, has has no has no updates for us. He does not know any more than we do about about his about Ryan Jensen's knee. And it, it is a, a huge blow, certainly for the offensive line. Uh, you had one gentleman that retired. Al, Alex Kappa has now gone to the uh, Cincinnati Bengals in the offseason, so there becomes a, an issue with the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And one thing is, you got an issue with the offensive line. That's not good for Tom Brady. Now they went out and got Shaq Mason. Yeah, in a trade this all season, which Shaq's a nice pickup. He knows Tom Brady from his days in New England, which is a fine pickup. But the fact, but the fact of the matter remains, is yeah, it's it's a blow. You're starting center, and to me, the one thing about the one thing is this: the tackles are fine, but up the middle is going to become a huge issue. And if you, if you got if you can put pressure up the middle on Tom Brady. Then that becomes that becomes a problem for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they become a problem for Tom Brady. But 
all depends on what Ryan Jensen's status, the situation is going to come up to be. And from what I can see, from what I can tell, a lot of, and I'm, I've seen a couple of uh, words float out when he went down, it didn't look good. Hopefully for Ryan Jensen, it's, hopefully he is okay. Hopefully the injury is not that bad. But for, uh, for Tampa Bay, it seems like they're already off to the wrong start. And hopefully Tampa Bay Buccaneers will not be like the Baltimore Ravens were last year where it seems like you knew we're losing a player every other day in camp or so it seems to be the case with the, with the running game. Of course, the top two running backs, top three running backs, matter of fact, went out. Uh, I know it was at one point early, I think the Colts, the Indianapolis Colts, had problems with injuries in the beginning of camp. And then I can remember there was a point in time where the Chargers, uh, for a couple of years, it seemed like they were having issues in, in camp where injuries were, uh, were catching up to them. So hopefully for Ryan Jensen, Certainly wishing the best, best, the best, and I hope is I hope that the if the um, knee is okay, but the way things look, he didn't go down too well, and that's a that's a concern. But and that's going to be a concern for Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I know they went out and signed Julio Jones, but we'll see how we'll see how this all all turns out for the uh, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And if he's out, it hurts. It certainly hurts. Uh, I don't think Tampa Bay has the the depth on the offensive line, and I think with that being said, it could be it could hurt Tom Brady big time. The guard, the two guards, you lost your two guards, and yeah, this off season, and now you could lose your center. It's not a good sign for uh, Tom Brady as he's trying to win an eighth an eighth championship. But for Ryan Jensen, I certainly wish him the best of luck, and I hope this uh, certainly hope that. Uh, Injury is not as bad as it, as bad as it, as it looks. Um, to stay on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, let's talk about uh, the Julio Jones thing. We touched up on Julio Jones the past the past episode. He has signed that he signed the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for uh, you know uh, for one year. Now there were reports reports out there that uh, the Green Bay Packers, New Orleans Saints. Indianapolis Colts were all interested in his services. Now, the Colts, I thought, would have been the best, would have been the best fit because of his connection with Matt Ryan. To me, that would have been a perfect fit. Uh, Greg, I mean, Hulu could have been probably a number two at best. Michael Pittman is the number one guy. I thought it would have been a perfect fit. You know, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones have, you know, have set a lot of records together and have had a good chemistry throughout the years. Now, then again, I thought that would have been a perfect fit. Now, the New Orleans Saints, the Saints could be, uh, Saints, I'm not too sure about you know, the Michael Thomas situation is. Uh, Michael Thomas, you don't know if he's going to be healthy or not. I mean, he's missed a lot for the last two seasons. They went out and did pick up Jarvis Landry, which was a nice pickup. They, dra- they uh, drafted Chris, Chris Olive. From Ohio State, so they're trying to trying to bulk up their receiving core a little bit. Now, Julio, if Julio wants to win, it would have been an interesting fit. But again, it all depends on my it all depends on Michael Thomas. The interesting fit would, would have been an interesting possibility. What about the Green Bay Packers? Well, 
did sign Sammy Watkins in offseason. You got uh, Alan Lazar got a new contract. You still got Raymond Cobb, Watson, the young man from North Dakota State. Now Julio, some people figure Julio could have been possibly the number one number one man for the Green Bay Packers. Now I would say I doubt that very seriously. because uh, I mean Julio's been has been hurt a lot the last couple of years. And Julio is not the same Julio Jones everybody once saw with, with the Atlanta Falcons. Now, if Julio had went to Green Bay, I think Julio, Julio might have been maybe the third or fourth receiver at best for Green Bay. I know that sounds kind of maybe, yeah, that might have sounded a little off, off the rollish to say, but that's probably what he would have been at best. But at this stage, I think Julio has come out and said that he wants a Super Bowl ring. He feels his best chance with the, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, out of the teams I mentioned, Tampa Bay probably is number, is number one. They're probably number one choice, certainly. Uh, I think he'd have gotten more opportunities, probably with the Colts, just because of Matt Ryan, their connection. And other than Michael Pittman, I'm not really sold on the rest of the other receiving core. I think he'd have gotten more opportunities with the Colts. But, you know, it is what it is. He wants a Super Bowl ring. He feels that if he went to the AFC, the Colts, and the AFC is a very tough conference to me. It's a, it's a way more tougher conference than the NFC, in my opinion. Now, there's lots, you know, uh, the Saints. Uh, the Saints, I don't know if Hillary would have got that many, as many options as you really believe. If, hypothetically, we say Michael Thomas came over week one, I don't think he would have had a lot of options. I think Michael, I think Jarvis Landry, uh, I think, you know, uh, maybe he could have been number three receiver, maybe. But I don't know if I see the opportunities there. Of course, you got Alvin Kamara, depending if if he does serve a suspension, that's going to be another, another thing to think about. But to me, it all says one thing to me about Julio Jones is Julio is not worried about trying to catch, you know, trying to catch a hundred balls, trying to catch hundred balls. What he wants is he wants a Super Bowl ring, and he feels the best option was going to be certainly the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in his mind. And for Julio's point of view, he could probably be right now. Mike Evans is certainly the number one guy, without a doubt. Chris Godwin, you hear conflicting reports. Chris could be ready. There's a report that he could be ready by week one. Could be. Now, if that's the case, maybe Hood becomes the number three receiver. But then again, you've got Russell Cage, who they signed in the offseason. So to me, Julio could be, what, a number four at best. I think Russell right now is still number three. Julio could be number four, but I'm sure Hood's got game cam. He's got, he's got to learn the, that, learn the playbook and get updated. And I'm sure, and it's also nice when a guy like Tom Brady calls, calls you up and says, hey, man, I want you on my team. And that's a great, that's a great feeling. Um, now I'm surprised, you know, surprised. Maybe like a Matt Ryan to reach out to him. Now, it had been interesting if Aaron Rodgers hadn't reached out to him. But again, I think it shows you how much Tom Brady, with the influence he has in this league, it was Tom Brady that reached out to Ray Gronk back. It was Tom Brady that got with the management said, hey, let's bring Antonio Brown in. If you've got that much pull, you can convince anybody, just about anybody in the NFL, to come, you know, to come to your team. 
So we'll see. We'll see what Julio Jones brings to Tampa Buccaneers now for my fantasy football fans out there. I wouldn't go jump the gun and go get Julio Jones. Mike Evans is certainly number one. If if Chris Godwin is ready to go, he's still worth a gamble, but I'm sure with his ACL injury, it takes him down notches. It might he might drop a couple of rounds because of because of an ACL injury. And uh, to me, Russell Cage, Russell Cage stock, I'm sure, has dipped because of the signing of Julio Jones. But for right now, it's still Mike Evans one, Godwin two. And if you want to make an argument, Julio Jones could be the number three receiver. You can make that argument if you if you like to. But for me, the best thing was Julio Jones. Simply put, he wanted he simply wanted to go to a team that has a chance to win a Super Bowl. He wants that ring. And for Julio Jones, the best option certainly was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Staying on the subject about Tampa Bay, uh, there was a few episodes ago, and there was a few episodes ago where uh, Leonard Fournette, some had said he had blown up to uh, 260 pounds or so, the rumors or speculation is. Uh, uh, Leonard has come into camp. Uh, Todd Bowles says he looks to be in pretty good shape that the 260 pounds was blown out of proportion at least to Todd Bowles' eyes and uh, he says he's running drills he looks good uh, running running drills very well he looks pretty quick so that's good news that's good news on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers front that uh, he is got his weight now I don't think Todd says that he was now he, he might not have been 260 but he was a little overweight when he came to camp. But Todd says he looks good, looking good in drills. You know, looks quicker. That's good news. Now, the bad news about all this would be is this. Of course, we go back to the Ryan Jensen situation as we start off the top top of the podcast. Now, again, it could it, it's if it's going to affect Tom Brady, it's going to affect the running game. I don't care which you know, I don't care which format. Whoever's going to run the football for Tampa Bay Buccaneers, that's going to be a concern. Because if you don't have a strong offensive line, it's going to it's going to stale, it's going to stall. And I can remember last year, one of my very first two or three episodes, and I can't remember what episode it was. I have to really go back and look. Um, and for fantasy football people, and for things in general, I said the offensive line is an important part of the offense. Because you want to keep your quarterback upright and you want to have a good running game. And you've got to have a solid offensive line. For people over the years, why don't you ask Emmitt Smith how important the offensive line was to him with the Dallas Cowboys. It was very important. I mean, any, any running back, any running back will tell you it's very important to have a solid offensive line. Any quarterback will tell you it was good to have an offensive line. You asked Joe Burrow if he had an offensive line in the Super Bowl last year. Could he have won the Super Bowl? Why don't you ask Patrick Mahomes two years ago if he had a better offensive line in Kansas City? Could they have knocked out Tampa Bay? I don't know. But you can ask his, peop- ask his people. Why don't you ask Cam Newton if the Panthers had played their offensive line two years ago and they're playing the Denver Broncos in the Super Bowl? Do you think it would have mattered? would have mattered. Russell Wilson was always hyping about he needed a better offensive line around him. 
why don't you ask Eric Rogers that question? This top, this top guy, David Bakhtiari, had another knee surgery here recently, and that's become a, that's become a concern. You don't know, I don't know when David's going to be able to play, and a left tackle is a, one of the bigger positions in football. And you have to wonder how David's career from here on out goes. I mean, does he have to retire at an early age because of knee, knee injury? Certainly hope not, but that could happen. But like I said before, offensive line is very important. And for Leonard Fournette, Leonard Fournette's a big dude. He seems to be with a big to me a big dude anyway, but certainly it's good news to hear that he is in camp. That he is in camp. He doesn't look to be too sick to go about it. Says he did. Now Tom Bowles probably did make a pretty good compliment. And it's hard. It's a lot of players in this league. And a lot of players in this league have not been staying in shape during the off season. Some people are going to let themselves go when they want to come to camp to get into shape. Now, I know nowadays you don't have people doing that anymore. You know, I mean, Russell Wilson is a... Uh, Opponent of uh, staying in shape. We all know about Tom Brady's, you know, what he what he does in the off season. That he does, he has to eat certain types of food. He is an avocado ice cream fan. I mean, some athletes, some athletes take it serious and want to be in shape all year round. And again, some people like Leonard Fournette and others. Hey man, it's the off season. I'm gonna kick back. I'm gonna relax. Uh, I'm gonna eat whatever I want to eat. Do whatever I want to do. And some people have that mindset. But for that, you know, Leonard, like I said, Leonard's in his, his head looks good. Looking good in drills. Running, I mean, running good. Seems to Tampa Bay, that's about all, that's about all they really, really need to know, right? The next subject we'll talk about is we'll get off the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We've talked enough about, enough about them. Let's talk about another football team, and I'll talk about a player that's not even on the football team or that just retired recently. That's Big Ben Roethlisberger. Roethlisberger. Now, of course, we've all heard about them. We've all heard here. He had a recent interview, and um, it rubbed that one ex-teammate the wrong way, Cameron Haywood. Haywood. Now, I have read... I have not heard the, certainly I have not heard the interview. I have read bits and pieces from this interview that Big Ben was saying. Now, according to Big Ben, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to read, read into a lot of things, he thinks that today's athletes are being uh, more, are I, are I people. They're, they're all about themselves and not about their teams. And I believe he touched up on the college football issue about, I guess, the way things are nowadays. I don't think he really mentioned the, the portal thing in, in the interview, but I think he did I think he did mention maybe a little bit about reading into it about, I guess, the college athletes now getting caught, maybe caught up a little bit more. He says that his college football coach never caught him, and he says Bill Cowher didn't call it him now. I might agree with Bill. Bill's a tough dude, and I can quite believe that. 
but I've tried to read bits and pieces, and um, Hayward dictates you, Cameron Hayward kind of takes you kindly to it. He says, you know, he says that players are different. Players come from different backgrounds. You don't know what they went through in their childhood. They could have been, you know, dirt poor. Um, you know, they could have been like, you know, dirt poor, living out of a car. You don't know their 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 home situation or their growing up situation, and certainly some athletes that you know certainly some athletes that you don't know that person lives like that and you go for living like that and many years later you get the farm handed to you and yeah you get living you living out of a car and you go from there to making uh what a 20 million a year or something or or, or something else and it's, it's certainly a life-changing decision it's like somebody who goes out and works 30 years on a job and all of a sudden you go out and win a $500 million lottery. It changes, it changes everything. But of course, it's of course the bottom line it is how you handle it. Now, for those people out there now, there is a lottery out there that's worth $1 billion. That's right, I said billion, not million, billion dollars. And anybody who, any one person or any group of people, however it is, that wins that much money, it's life changing. Now somebody asked me the other day if I won that billion dollars, what would I would do? Well, to be honest with you, I just moved into a new house a year, about a little over a year ago. I'm not worried about the house situation. Now, I'm sure my wife, she would want me, she would want a new car, but after that, it'd be in the bank. Let's build the interest, let's put more interest on it. And to be honest with you, that's all I would do with it. I know that kind of sounds weird, strange, kooky, crazy, but hey. Now, would I retire? Absolutely. I wouldn't have to go work in, in a grocery store anymore. I would certainly retire. And who knows, I could put more, more energy into the podcasting world. Now, that was what Cameron Haywood had an issue with because he doesn't feel it then, understands the situation. Where many people, you know, where it's it's a different way in life for different people, and I agree with Cameron and the perspective in that perspective that Ben doesn't know everybody's situation. We all don't know everybody's situation, whether how they grew up as or whatever. Now, Ben made a cut. Now, I will agree with Ben on this. College athletes, I think, probably have it a little easier now. I'll agree with Ben this to have it easier because simply put, because yeah, because now you have this this porthole, you have this porthole now where you can go if you don't like if you don't like a certain office system that's been running running at the University of Tennessee. Tennessee hey, I can go to uh, I can go to Ohio State and uh, and I can get in there in, in, in their system. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like a free agency. Do you think Big Ben or Cameron Hayden were in college? Free agent, this, this situation would be thought of. I mean, I mean, I guess what people would say, what is next? Are you, are you, are you going to actually make trades in college football? Yeah, are you going to call Coach Coach Saban and say, Coach Saban, I knew you need a cornerback, but I, I knew you need a cornerback off my a cornerback here. I need a... Uh, I want to get your backup quarterback and your uh, third straight tight end to help to help my team out. I'll give you my quarterback. I don't think we're ever. I don't. 
if you were ever to go back to that point. But I understand that this point of view is now it's like people get a chance to pick colleges, pick a college that there's like a free agency they can pick, they can go to some another college. Now I know athletes, athletes now, sometimes athletes may stay in college. Well, maybe basketball wise in college basketball, that's that one and done thing, right? Now college football is not quite like that. You might you might leave after your sophomore year and enter the pros. Now Ben's a guy that stayed in college all four years. Hayward, same situation. Of course now you've got people that maybe their college athletes come out after you know, at, after two years and figure they're ready for the pros because your money's getting thrown out, thrown out there. Now, athletes nowadays, athletes nowadays can make money by putting their likenesses on, you know, on whatever they can make money. Again, this is why the NCAA, I guess this is why EA Sports has come back out with the NCAA football game. I don't think it's going to come out until maybe 2023, maybe could be wrong on that. I have to look that up. Uh, but now that's why that's being brought back because now players can make money off of the likeness off EA Sports and the Super College Football Bowl too. So I get you know, I get Ben's point of view is where college athletes now are getting more opportunities because of because of the the portal because of the portal situation and because of the likenesses being used and that stuff. So in that perspective, I get Ben's point of view now. I know there's, there's always the old expression, money is the root of all evil, or suppose, or supposing that's what the saying is. Now, now maybe Ben is not saying so many words, but I, I'm not, not mean to underline. He says sometimes money can change, you can change a person. This is sometimes athletes are all about the, all about themselves. And I know, I know there's not a, to some kid didn't come out exactly poke fun at Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown was a solid football player, but once he got the money, yeah, it's just Antonio Brown kind of went haywire. He's with the Raiders, the Patriots for a cup of coffee, and then he goes off to the Buccaneers and loses and just loses it, and now he's in the football field. I know Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell was one of the best running backs in the league. He sat out of the year. He gets traded to the Jets, and Again, that's what Ben was talking about. He felt those guys were, were all about the money and not about the team. Now, he didn't come out exactly and say it like that. But again, Cameron Hayward was backing his players. He said, he said I never had an issue with Antonio Brown. He said Antonio Brown was a, was, a, was a solid teammate. He was saying the same thing basically for my lady on Bell. But, you know, again, again, there's nothing wrong with an athlete making as much money as they can. Everybody knows in pro football it's a dangerous sport, and you don't know. You don't know when your last play is going to be or your last game. I mean, now that's why you've got guys that go to camp, come to camp, you know, in good faith and sell. And sell. What is it? DK Metcalf is one. Uh, Debo Samuels is another guy. These guys are coming to camp on good faith, but they want a contract, but they want a contract extension. Because they know, like everybody else, again, an NFL player knows, you don't know when it's going to be your last play, or it's going to be, yeah, or your last game. Simple point. But I get Big, big Ben is that, that 
old school mentality, if you if you will. You know, but you know, Ben. Now, Ben, I'll say this about Ben. I don't think Ben was really. Yeah, I don't think Ben was more about the money. Big Ben was not as greedy as maybe an Aaron Rodgers or somebody else when it comes to money. Ben never came off to me as that type of guy. Now, Hayward could have probably took a shot at Ben. Now, I don't know if Hayward was around with Ben because you got numbers of seven years ago. Ben got in some, in some trouble and he had to serve a suspension. And again, you could say, well, in a way, Ben was, Ben was, I can't say Ben, in a way, Ben was not thinking about the team when that situation happened. If Hayward wanted to go in that direction, he could certainly go in that direction, but he took the high road and did not do so. But again, again, I think, you know, both players probably, I'm sure both former teammates, and you know, Hayward said he loved Big Ben. He had no issues with Ben in the locker room and whatnot. Now, I mean, there's times where Ben, I don't know if Ben could have come on selfish to some point, but again, it's, you know, two, it's two former teammates that had a different opinion on how the situation is. Now, again, I can understand Ben's point of view from this, and I can understand Haywood's point of view as well on this. Maybe some things were taken out of context, and context in, in some way, shape, or form. And I know, you know how the media is. The media will blow, will, will write, not write the whole story out. They'll write bits and pieces of the story, and somebody will take it, like, take it out of context. Again, that's the media. And again, again, we all know how the media is nowadays. You've got the Facebooks, the Twitters, to, you know, TikTok, to this media outlet, that media outlet. Um, it's it's so much going on nowadays that you that you can't really um, yeah that it's hard to it's hard to fathom you know that's why that's why some athletes or some you know entertainers musicians they have a hard time dealing with the general public well not the general public the media because they will, because they will because they will interpret it a totally different way now in this situation. I got a feeling that that could have been the case between Ben. Ben might have said something. The media took it differently. Hayward took it differently. It's, but you know, I'm sure at some point in time, maybe Hayward and Big Ben will sit down and hash and hash it out. I mean, for all I know, Ben he could walk into the Steelers camp right now and watch the uh, quarterback, you know, the uh, quarterback situation going on between Trubisky and Burrell and pick it. He could walk in. He could go straight to Hayward and say, dude, I didn't mean it this way. I know you didn't mean it that way. And Hayward could probably, you know, say vice versa. But what I'm saying is, I kind of get both ends of the, uh, of the spectrum in a way. Now, again, maybe I've taken it, blown it out, maybe I've taken it the context a little differently than most people have taken it. I'm sure everybody's got an opinion on it. But I understand Big Ben's point of view. I understand Hayward's point of view as well. But again, you know, the one thing is right. It's always a team effort. There is no, there is no I in team. But somebody will come back and say, but there's an N in team. If you if you read it, it's T E A M. And somebody said that M. Yeah, but there is an M in team. Somebody once told me that. And said, you know what that M is? Me. Now, some players, I hate to say the NFL, they do have that perspective where 
or whatever, baseball, basketball, hockey, whatever, there are going to be players on your team that's going to have that, are going to say that there's not a high end team, there's an enemy team. And uh, that's respected. I mean, you want to do what's best for yourself, and you want to do what's best for your team. Because when all 32 teams come into camp every single year, their goal is to win the Bowie Trophy, no matter how you look at it. I know that you want to do that. You want to. You want the, you want the money to set yourself up for yourself and your family for later on down the road. Because being, you know, being an athlete in this league, it's hard to. You know, it's it's hard because you because you've heard the concussion stories of the concussion stories. You've got people that you know pass away because of a brain injury, and and you know you know families want to sue the NFL. I understand why football players want to get all the money they, they, they can get their hands on because of stuff like that. And I got no problem with that whatsoever. But for Ben and Haywood, I'm sure Big Ben and you know, Cameron, I'm sure that I'm sure at some point in time that she will come down with you know, we'll have some kind of powwow at some point. And they'll get you know, and I, you know, again, I'm sure this mess will get straightened out. But we'll, you know, we'll, you know, we'll see again. Again, I'll go back to this. I understand Ben's point of view, and I understand Hayward's point of view as well. Now, a team that I don't talk a lot about, I think it seems like I've talked about a lot of teams on my podcast, but the one team I haven't talked about, and I will give them a little bit of love right now, and that is the New York Jets. Now, I know this is strange. We got New York Jet news. Now, the only piece of news that come out of the camp, it seems like George Fant will become the new left tackle, the left tackle this coming season. And Benton, who they drafted a few years back, who was going to be the future left tackle, now will be back to right tackle. And, and the New York Jets feel that this is the best option for the offensive line. Now, again, again, I'll say this much now. If that's what the Jets feel that is the best bet, then you know, then you're, you, if you're a Jets fan, you've got to be all for it. The bottom line is the offensive line has been has been weak for several years now. It seems like it's doing, it seems like it's getting better. Now, the thing about the Jets is the offense, the offense, you hopefully is going to get better. You've got you've got Michael Carter, you just signed, you, you drafted Bryce Hall, so you figure you got a one-two punch here. Your receiving core, I know you got Corey Davis, but Corey Davis has never lit the world on fire. When for the Tennessee Titans, he didn't. He was pretty much an afterthought, a number two weapon, and didn't really produce the big numbers that he did. Now, they got was it Garrett Wilson from uh, the Ohio State who they feel that could be that could certainly that could certainly be a pretty good receiver for the future. Now, Elijah Moore. And for fantasy football fans, Elijah Moore is a guy that you might want to keep a deep eye on in your drafts. Um, you know, Wilson Wilson seems seems to love the guy. Um, if you if you remember last last year's camp, he was telling him a lot. They had good chemistry. So that's if you if you want if you want to go deep into the draft, keep your eye keep a sharp sharp eye on one Elijah Moore. 
Now, and no, I don't have any any Wilson news about about his you know personal business. We talked about that a few episodes ago, but we're not we're not we're not going to get get to that to that point in this into this conversation. But but for the thing is when uh, Benton went down, when Beckett went down. Fan stepped in and did a fairly decent job, at least in New York Jets' eye. We feel that this is the best move. Well, it has to be the best move because if you, if you invested a lot in Zach Wilson, you need to protect him pretty much on a whole. And if building an offensive line, if that's if that's what you feel is the best move for your team, then you need to do then you need to do so. Now again. The offensive line. Hopefully, we got a, a two-headed monster in Carter and Hall. That's going to that's going to at least take the pressure off Wilson. Now, if they had a couple tight ends, you've added Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore is healthy. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, Jets fans. Hopefully, they are building towards the future. They're building towards the future, and the future hopefully looks bright for the New York Jets. Now. Now, unfortunately, they will not make the playoffs this year. They are probably the, they're probably still the worst team in their own division. Um, if people have got Buffalo, people feel like Miami can be a playoff team, and the Patriots are probably still better than, than the Jets themselves. But defensively, defensively, the Jets hopefully will improve on the defensive side of the ball as well. But the Jets, hopefully the Jets, if Zach Wilson proves to be the real deal, he had some issues last year, injuries, injuries caught him, he struggled a little bit, but hopefully in the second year he will show improvement. And hopefully, you know, you know hopefully that. Like I said, uh, the running game should be better. The offense line hopefully will be better. Um, I'm interested to see if the receiving core of Corey Davis can improve. Uh, can Elijah Moore up his game that much more? And he seems to be a nice little weapon. Garrett Wilson. Um, it's interesting. I'm interested to see what the Jets are going to do this year. I think the Jets will surprise a few people. You know, the Jets kind of remind me a little bit of the Detroit Lions. We talked about Detroit Lions a few episodes ago where Detroit may surprise a few teams this year because their offense is not really that is not that bad. You think about Detroit has a pretty decent offensive line. You got DeAndre Swift and Jamel Williams, who we got from Green Bay a couple, you know, uh, last season. Um, again, the receiving core, it's it's not bad. And DJ, you know, DJ Sharp, uh, Jamison Williams, they drafted from Alabama. He probably won't be ready by opening day, but I love the upside. Uh, Brown, St. Brown from uh, South, you know, from South Southern Cal, had a very good rookie year. I think he could be a thousand yard receiver in this league. So, I mean, they are, the team's improving. The Jets, the Jets could make that move. Now, I would say I'm going to have Jerry Goff and Zach Wilson right now. I don't say the Jets' offensive line is as good as Detroit's. Now, in the running game, you can make an argument. I still think Detroit's receiving core, and I'd love, I would love to have T.J. Hawkinson yeah, over what they've got. But to me, I kind of think in a way, maybe sort of, kind of, there is a similarity between the Jets and the Jordan's offense. 
Now both sides work on their defense. But to me, I think Jets could surprise some people. I mean, they surprised a couple teams last year. And there's there's got to be improvement. But the thing about it is, I don't know if the defensive-minded coach and Zach Wilson are going to be a perfect fit. I think in the long run, if Zach Wilson is going to continue to improve, and the offense is going to continue to build and build and build, they're going to need an offensive-minded coach at some point in time. Now, you know, a guy like maybe Eric Bieni from the uh, Kansas City offensive coordinator from the, from the Kansas City Chiefs, and can you imagine if he went to to the Jets and he had a young quarterback, a couple of good running backs, receiving core that could that could get there, could get there in time. Yeah, and a couple of tight ends. You know, I tell you what, a guy a guy like that would be perfect for a guy like Zach Wilson. I'm just saying, I'm gonna throw it out there. But to me, I think Zach, if he's gonna continue to get in this league, he's gonna need that offensive minded coach. For Jet fans, I know the offensive line. You, you, you're uh, the offensive line. You think you got your tackles settled? Your offensive line's coming around. Your offense, it's getting a little bit better. But of course, it all it all depends on what Zach Wilson can do with that football, and that's the biggest thing. But the Jets, J E T S, right? Jet fans. Again, there there seems to be some room for improvement. We seem to be going hopefully in the right direction. I gotta say we may be doing a better job than maybe the counterpart with the Giants. But the Giants, we'll see what they can do this year as well. But for the Jets, I think for the Jets, the offensive line, the offensive line, fan, being a good left tackle, with with a big uh, left tackle of the future back with right tackle, we feel that's the best bet for your organization for the offensive line standpoint. Got no problem with that. We'll see how we'll see how it all all how it all works out for uh, for you. But for Zach Wilson, it's all gonna depend on Zach Wilson and can he can he leapfrog, can he grow and improve big time in the second year. Because if he can't, then the Jet fans are gonna be scratching their heads saying, where are we gonna get another quarterback? And then you start looking at the at, at the next year's draft, what the Jets could do. Get Bryce Young, but for the Jet fans, certainly, I hope to think there's some optimism coming coming from New York. Now we'll stay in the division with you. From we'll go from the New York Jets to the New England Patriots. Now, the buzz the buzz in camp is Matt Patricia is actually calling the offensive plays as of right now. Now. To my understanding, I think Belichick might go back and forth. He might go from uh, Patricia might be calling plays now. Judge might get his opportunity. But for right now, Matt Patricia seems to be the lead on calling calling plays. Now Belichick has come out and said that he doesn't feel in he doesn't feel uh, titles. So for me, what does that what does that say? What that says to me is that maybe this is a a thing for things to come to Matt Patricia could be the offensive coordinator. Now, more buzz has come out that it seemed like a lot since some guys in the offense seem to like Matt you know, seem to be comfortable with Matt Patricia calling the plays. 
some people said that him being a former defensive coordinator kind of gives him an upper hand because he knows because he would know what defenses would be, what defensive plays might be called, and he can help the offense to pick apart you know pick apart defenses. Now, I can see that and I can understand that. Now, for me, it's if you think Mac Jones is your quarterback of the future, then it's going to yeah. Then you need to do you know you need to do whatever you can do to help Mac Jones. But this offensive coordinator spot, and I know Bill Belichick will be different positions, but to me, Bill needs to get this straight. He needs to pick an offensive coordinator. It's going to be Patricia and Joe or Joe Judge. Don't have this co-offensive coordinator, two offensive coordinators, because it's going to hurt the offense. Now, now the offensive line, now the offensive line is not bad. The running game, you have a decent running game. Damien Harris, Stevenson from Oklahoma proved that it had some spurts last year and it could be a nice little one-two punch. The receiving core, it's not the greatest in the world, but it did do but it did didn't do too bad last year. So I mean the offense, the offense, I know they want to run the football and take more pressure off of Mac Jones. I get that understanding. And you have two capable running capable running backs. James White's coming back from injury. Hopefully he'll be new. Yeah, he'll be new. Yeah, I know uh, Bolden, he's still there. They signed Ty Montgomery. Yeah, Ty Montgomery can certainly do can certainly do a few things. One guy to keep an eye on is a person strong. Yeah, he's a guy that you need to keep an eye on a rookie. Uh, keep an eye on him. Again, one thing about Belichick, he can put he can put together a running game. But we'll see. You know, we'll see how that how that goes from 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 here on out. Um, but Matt Patricia is it seems right now has a need if you want to say that a need in being the offensive coordinator. Players like Matt because again he's a former defensive coordinator. He knows how how defense thinks. And again, I see that. I can understand that. Now. I don't know what that means for Joe Judge. I don't know. I'm sure Judge will have it. Will get his in, his input in on the offense. Maybe, maybe later on in camp, uh, Joe Judge will will be the offensive coordinator. He'll call. He'll call some plays. But I think for Belichick, it is a situation that needs to be addressed quickly, quick and fast. Pick a guy, whether it be Patricia or Joe Judge. Don't do this offensive double this uh, co-offensive coordinator stuff because it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna wreck your offense. It's going to hurt your development. One Matt, Matt Jones. Now Matt Jones has come to camp. They say he looks in great shape. He has shaved his back. And, uh, a lot of people said that uh, his teammates feel that he's a true leader. Now I know people want to make a, that that Tom Brady comparison to Matt Jones. But until Mac Jones won seven Super Bowls, I can't make that comparison. Now, to me, you have to wonder how much longer Bill Belichick is going to hang on as the head coach, and Bill's not getting no younger. Uh, you have to wonder how much longer he's going to enjoy this. I know, and I know it's crazy it sounds. I know crazy as it may come off as, but Belichick to me has got to be on the hot seat. 
And it sounds weird, it sounds crazy, it sounds odd. But to be honest with you, you've had rumblings, and I think even Robert Kraft has come out and criticized, you know, the draft, especially the drafting. The drafting has not been strong as it has in the last few years. And that falls on Bill Belichick. It falls on him. Because Robert Kraft, Robert Kraft, I think Collins, Belichick, and everybody else, you know, pick the players and do their thing. And for for that, that's probably the right thing for Robert Kraft to do. You know, uh, Jerry Jones, he has he, he always puts his input in on the drawing draft picks. Kraft does not do that. He lets Belichick and the coaching committee and lets his staff and his GM do the job. But Belichick is on the hot seat because because of stuff, because of of a bad draft in the last few years. And this year he didn't have to be not be that great of a draft. There were some question marks. Now, unless strange in the being Hall of Fame lineman, you know, then that's a totally, a totally different story. I'm with you. I understand you. If that happens to be the case, uh, but, you know, don't know. But for Bill, and Bill's making calls like, well, I've got a co a co offensive a co offensive coordinator, and to me, sometimes Belichick at least won, Bill has won six Super Bowls. So Bill does know what he's doing. Don't get me wrong with that. But I have to wonder, as as a game as a game starting to pass Bill Belichick by this this double double coordinator thing. I don't know how how that's going to play out. But for right now, it seems like Matt Patricia is right now the top guy for the you know for the Patriots as far as making the plays. And I see Joe Judge will call some plays. At some point, maybe Patricia calls him, you know, the first week of camp, judge the second week. I don't know how Bill's going about it, how he, what's, what's in his head. But for me, if Patricia is the offensive coordinator, then stick with it, stay with it, because a lot depends, it really all depends on Mac Jones, because if Mac Jones is your quarterback of the future for this team, then you need to, you need to, you know, certainly you need to, Get, you need to certainly come to the conclusion that Matt is your offensive coordinator and you need to stick with him. Now, some news from my Dallas Cowboy fans. Um, also came out that uh, Ezekiel Elliott, Elliott says that uh, he's pretty much, he's not worrying about beyond 2022. That he is, now, Unfortunate comment that Zeke looks in good shape. He's coming to camp in good shape, um, which is which is great. Certainly, I guess is he's not Leonard Fournette coming in two hundred sixty pounds. Um, now, I can understand Zeke's point of view that you take it the one year at a time theory, and Zeke should have that philosophy. Every NFL player should have the philosophy. You got to take it one year at a time. Now. For the Dallas Cowboys, we've all we've said about the offense for the last few years, it is it has been geared towards Dak Prescott. But the problem is, with Dallas is going to take a huge dip in offense. A lot of people seem to forget the Dallas Cowboys were the more ranked offense in all the football last year. Statistically, I know people 
It, it boggles the mind, but it's the truth. Now, replacing a Mario Cooper is a huge, is a, is a, is, is a huge loss because Dak played a lot better when he had a Mario Cooper on the field. Now, I think CeeDee Lamb could fit right in the number one spot. I believe he'll be, a, he'll be fine. But the number two spot, Michael Gallup, he's going to miss time. You've got a rookie, you know, rookie receiver that you feel could be the number three man or James Washington. Now, I believe they signed him as a Turpin today. I think today is the MVP of, of, of the USFL. Now, how he plays into this, I, I don't know. That's a mystery. But for Zeke, here's here's the twist. Here's the twist, and here's the spin. The spin of all this. Now, Zeke's numbers have dipped the last few last couple of years, and and it becomes it's a concern. It's a concern. Some say the doubt that Zeke could be gone. In 2023, I don't think Tony Pollard's a guy that you can get the ball 20, 25 times a game to anymore. Zeke still has capability of carrying the ball 20 times a game. But here, but here's a spin on all this. Even though Zeke's numbers are going down, could this be could this be the year where, in some way, shape, or form, that the Dallas Cowboys go back to the running game? Because if you think about it, other than seeding land. And maybe Dalton Schultz is your tight end. I'm not really keen on. I'm not really keen on the rest of the receiving core. And this could get interesting. Could they go back? Could they, could they go back to a few? Could they go back to about maybe three, four years ago, where let's feed, let's feed Zeke, and take the pressure off the Dak Prescott? Because I got a feeling. Hear this. Hear, hear, hear me out, Dallas Cowboy fans, and they were saying. What is he? What is he thinking? What is he? What is he saying? What I'm saying is this: It's time to go back to the running game. Maybe it's time to feed Zeke again. Maybe give Zeke 20 to 20, 20 carries a game. Yes, get Tony Pollard the ball. I got no problem with that. But you might need to feed him ball. Feed Zeke the ball 20, 21 times. You know, 20, maybe 21 times a game. Maybe maybe you need to go back to to, to feed him that to feed him the ball. Because to me, I think, could this be the year that maybe the offense runs to, runs right through that running game, and then Dak becomes, <laughs> then Dak throws the ball. As crazy as it sounds, I know Dallas fans, maybe I'm losing my, losing my ever-loving mind, but to be honest with you, that could be, that could be the case right now, is you might have to feed, you might have to feed Zeke, and let Dak take over. Let Dak become the second option. Let Dak in the passing game be the second option. But maybe Zeke has to become the number one option once again. Because let's be honest with you, I'm not really sold on. I'm not sold on the passing. I'm not sold on the receivers. I got no problem. I have no problem with Dak. I got no problem with CD. Dalton Schultz is a pretty decent player. He's a pretty decent tight end. But my problem is this. Can you trust everybody else? Because to be honest with you, I can't trust. I can't trust the rest of, the, of Dallas's receiving core. Dallas had the opportunity, had opportunity to spend a little money to get maybe Julio Jones, maybe to get a Jarvis Landry when they had a chance. Now they went out and got the MVP of the USFL. Now, unless he goes out there and becomes Amari Cooper, yeah, then it's a great. It's a 
great pickup. It's a great pickup by Jerry Jones Company. But I don't see this young man being I don't see this young man being that guy, that type of guy. I really don't. Now I think he can return some kicks. And I would be surprised if he got used in that perspective. But to me, this is a play where Jerry had dropped the ball. Again, they should have gotten a veteran receiver. And I know there was a guy was a Cole Beasley's out there. Now, I don't know if I see Beasley as a number two receiver. I don't know if I do if I really do. Because right now, Beasley, if he get go sign in, he'd have to be the number two receiver. And a guy like Tolbert Washington and Turbin would have to be a ballot for the number three for the number three spot. I would say Beasley, but I'm not sure Beasley is the possible number two choice here. I would have said if Gallup was completely 100% healthy, I could have seen Beasley coming in and being a number three receiver. But the thing is, for Dallas, for my Dallas, for my Dallas fans out there, I gotta be honest with you, this is where a point in time where it comes in that you got to feed, you got to feed, you might have to feed Zeke again, feed Zeke the ball, set it up for Dak. I don't think, now to be honest with you, I do not believe the Dallas Cowboys will be leading the league in offensive numbers. I don't think that's going to happen this year. There's a lot of teams, I mean, that are going to lead the league. As far as total offense, it won't be Dallas. Sure, Kansas City will be there. I'm sure Buffalo will be getting, you know, will be there. But it won't be Dallas. And the team they got to worry about is the Philadelphia Eagles. They have the Philadelphia Eagles. They've got a better offensive line. They had the number one rushing offense in all the, in all the NFL last year. Now, granted, they had A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. I might take my chance with A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith over, yeah, C.D. Lamb and whoever's my number two receiver. Now, I, I even like Dallas Goddard more than I like Dalton Schultz. Even Dalton Schultz had a nice year last year. To me right now, some people feel the Eagles are the best team in the NFC East, and Dallas is certainly number two right now. But for Dallas and offense to get going, and I hate to say it, bottom line is, you might have to feed, I think for the offense to get going, feed Zeke and feed him some more. I'll quickly, uh, before we go, I'll quickly, um, Add this little tidbit before we leave, and the bottom line is, um, I was listening to listening to one talk show with Colin Cowherd, and and Colin made a point that I made when it got to the Jimmy Garoppolo situation about the New York Giants, but the one situation he did say to me that I've said a, a couple of episodes episodes ago, and I mentioned this was Garoppolo could be Dak's backup. Now, I said this probably a couple episodes ago, you know, I'm glad I'm not the only one that really thinks this stuff, that thinks this stuff. And, and you know, for Colin, I know Colin ain't listening to this podcast, but I'd like to say thank you for at least thinking the way along the lines I'm thinking. Because I was personally thinking that it would have been a possible backup for them. Now, I've heard rumors that Garoppolo could go to the Houston Texans and maybe back up Mills, David Mills. Could I see that? Yeah, I could see that. But I figured Jimmy might want to go to a team that's a playoff contender. 
Well, that's all I have time for this episode, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining me, and please take care of yourselves, and I will see you again very soon.